You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief at buffalorumblings.com and host of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. This week, as in every week, we're taking your Bills questions that you might be having over this weird, strange off-season. As always, you can call in your questions for our next episode at 716-508-0405. Tweet us at rumblingsqna. You can send us messages on Instagram, on Facebook, at our Buffalo Rumblings accounts there. Leave comments in the comments section at buffalorumblings.com. There's lots of ways to get in touch with the show. Uh, this week, we've got questions on roster cutdowns, on Christian Wade, and a whole bunch of other stuff as we move into the part of the offseason where Western New York always gets a little bit interesting, which is when the Sabres season is over. Who knew it would last all the way until May? But get your questions in for our next episode over at Rumblings Q&A on Twitter or on our voicemail line. Before we get too deep into the episode today, I wanted to announce that next week's episode uh, we will be holding as an Instagram live question and answer session so you can Stay tuned to our social media channels, Rumblings Q&A, Facebook and Instagram, and we'll have an announcement for uh, the exact time for that next Monday, June 1st. We'll be trying out something brand new, something different to reach a new audience, but also to get some of your questions and and interact with you in a little bit different way. So that's going to be on the Buffalo Rumblings Instagram account. You can follow us there. It's all one word, at Buffalo Rumblings, one word, no space. And we'll be doing the Instagram live over there for our episode next week. And then I'll pop the audio into the podcast feed so you can all hear it if you aren't able to join us for the live Q&A next week on Instagram. Let's start this week by heading over to the phone lines at 716-508-0405. What's up, Matt? Eric, Connecticut. With the abundance of talent that we've acquired uh, I do think cut down day is gonna be tough, uh, be a really tough decision for Bean and company to decide. Who do you might think is an eligible player to be possibly traded that is not currently uh, a player that's been mentioned? Maybe even a starter or a guy that might surprise some fans. Thanks. Love the show. Love the pod. Thanks. Well, thanks for your kind words, Eric, and uh, thanks for being a Bills fan over in Patriots territory in Connecticut. About a month ago, I did a 53-man roster projection right after the NFL draft. Of course, that was also after free agency. So I went through and looked at players that could possibly be released or traded. 
a name we haven't been throwing out very much is Matt Barkley, backup quarterback. They drafted Jake Fromm in the fifth round this year, and folks are seeming to think that the, the Bills aren't going to get rid of Matt Barkley because they want a veteran experienced quarterback. Uh, but if you look back at the first two years of Sean McDermott's tenure as Bills head coach, they kept two quarterbacks on the roster. Uh, the first season, it was rookie Nathan Peterman as the only backup to Tyrod Taylor. In 2018, Josh Allen, the rookie, was the only backup to uh, Nathan Peterman at the start of the season. And then, so to, to put it this year as Jake Fromm, the rookie, being the only backup to Josh Allen, the veteran, wouldn't surprise me at all. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, and hopefully they've learned from their mistakes that they made in both of the early seasons that year. But, but Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have kept two quarterbacks on this roster pretty consistently since they took over. So if you're thinking that Jake Fromm is going to be the third quarterback, I don't know if that's necessarily as big of a lock as some people are saying. I don't think it's necessarily likely that they trade Matt Barkley, but I'm not ruling out the possibility that they do just based on their past experience. The one I wrote about in the 53-man roster projection was trading guard Evan Bame, the guy they signed from the Miami Dolphins this er, late in the offseason. Uh, he's a guy that is clearly behind on the depth chart, but last year the Indianapolis Colts were able to trade him to the Miami Dolphins. He just screams of serviceable replacement level player, and not even every NFL team has a serviceable replacement level offensive guard. So he was the guy that I thought might get traded at uh, around cutdown time or during training camp, kind of like Russell Bodine was traded last year uh, to the New England Patriots for a late round pick or Wyatt Teller. The Bills have been able to swing those interior depth linemen for late round draft picks over the last couple off seasons. So he's the guy that I wrote about in the 53-man roster projection, Evan Bame, the guard that they signed relatively recently. Looking at the rest of the roster, uh, roster cuts are going to be difficult, but I also don't think you can get very much for Daryl Johnson Jr. or Mike Love or Vincent Taylor after you cut them on the defensive line. If they do want to get rid of Trent Murphy, they might be able to swing a trade for him, even with his hefty salary, just because teams are going to be desperate for a player that they know can come in and just fill a need. It's, they don't have a super long runway to borrow a that saying from Sean McDermott. They don't have a ton of time to get up to speed this offseason because everybody's shut down during OTAs and minicamp. So if a, a team is struggling, if there is uncertainty in the air, they might want a veteran to come in like a Trent Murphy to, to kind of solidify the spot. Looking at the rest of the roster, I just don't see a player that is worthy of a trade unless you're talking about one of the kickers. Uh, Corey Vedvek was traded early in his career. Other teams are struggling at kicker, so if Tyler Bass comes in and plays really well, will the Bills be able to move Steven Hauschka or vice versa? Maybe. And that would be pretty interesting if the Bills could turn Tyler Bass, the fifth-round pick, into a 2021 NFL draft pick in, say, the fifth or sixth round. So recapping trade possibilities, I think Matt Barkley is somebody that could be traded as the season wears on. We've seen it with A.J. McCarron. We've seen it with other Bills quarterbacks over the last several years. Further down the list, you can look at the interior offensive line with Evan Bame, the guard that they signed recently. 
And then even further down my list is the loser of the kicking competition between Steven Hauschka and Tyler Bass. I'll pop that 53-man roster projection into the show notes, Eric, so you can make sure to check that out. Again, it's from right after the 2020 NFL Draft, and it does have a couple of those little notes inside of it. Thanks for your question this week over at our voicemail line at 716-508-0405. Sort of dovetailing into that conversation, we're heading over to Twitter, where BMormon2020 asks us, why did the Bills grab Fromm in the draft when they could have cut Barkley and picked up Flacco for a better price? Maybe timing and how the cap works out play into it. Thank you. Let's start this conversation with the money because you brought it up. Matt Barkley makes $1.5 million in 2020. So not that much money. Uh, he does get less than $5,000 per game active roster bonuses up to $75,000. So again, not that much money. His cap hit is going to be around $2 million. Joe Flacco is also signed for $1.5 million with bonuses and incentives that could make it worth up to $4.5 million. So they're literally signed for the exact same amount of money, $1.5 million plus incentives. And Flacco could theoretically earn a lot more than Matt Barkley with those incentives, uh, but we'll see how that all plays out with the New York Jets where Flacco just signed. So the assertion that they could have got Joe Flacco cheaper than Matt Barkley is, I mean, just wrong. It's incorrect. They're signed for the same contract. Um, So the timing and the cap, how does that play into it? It doesn't really play into it. Um, the, The Bills offered a pretty small signing bonus to Matt Barkley, so which is why his cap hits around $2 million. That was only $600,000, and it was spread out throughout 2018, 2019, and 2020. So if he's active for every game this season, he can make about $2 million, just over $2 million. Not really that big of a deal. It's pretty small. Um, When he signed it, it was the 40th highest quarterback salary on the books, and that was in 2019 in January. So it's probably gone down from there. So... Barkley is a steal as far as money goes. Now, as far as comparing them as quarterbacks, obviously Flacco has had higher highs in this league, taking a team to the Super Bowl, winning a Super Bowl, being elite, quote-unquote. Flacco had Barkley beat in every statistical category in 2019 in both cumulative stats and per-throw stats, per-game stats, everything. So, Yes, Flacco is probably better than Matt Barkley and coming in at this point in the offseason could like potentially be a, a really nice option for the Jets, but he's also is trying to get back to a starting NFL quarterback in all likelihood. So he may not, of course, be the best mentor for Sam Darnold when he wants to play he wants to play ahead of him. Matt Barkley knows his role in Buffalo. He knows what he's here to do, which is to mentor Josh Allen. And their dynamic reflects that. I actually think it works out pretty well for them. But it also has lulled them into that kind of false sense of security, which is one of the reasons I actually really like the drafting of Jake Fromm to kind of, I don't know, put a little bit of unease in that room, a little iron sharpens iron into that room, a little bit of the competitive juices flowing in there to elevate the game of all three or all four of the quarterbacks. Sorry, Davis Webb. So I I like what they're doing at the quarterback position with Matt Barkley, and I'm not really going to question it over a guy like Joe Flacco. Thanks for your question on Twitter at 
Rumlings Q&A with the word and spelled out. We'll be right back after a quick break. Don't go anywhere. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back to the voicemail line at 716-508-0405. Hey, I'm coming from Buffalo. Um, name's Corey. Why is Christian Wade ignored, basically? I mean, he's a smart guy. He's an accomplished runner. And if he learn about following lead blocks or blocking himself in a year, he's not gonna. Is he a secret weapon? Bye. Thanks for calling in, Corey, to our voicemail line at 716-508-0405. Christian Wade is a hot topic among Buffalo Bills fans and has been really all offseason and into the rest of this offseason probably will continue to be. Uh, he is dynamic with the football in his hands, as we saw the first couple times he touched it in the preseason. And as you said, he's a dynamic runner. He is really fun to watch, too. But he also has never blocked until he entered the NFL's International Pathway Program last year. He's never followed a lead block until he entered the International Pathway Program. He doesn't understand special teams. Um, so if you're talking about just you know handing him the ball and having him run towards pay dirt, he's perfectly suitable for that. But as part of a 53-man active roster and a 46-man game day roster, I just don't see where he can fit there because if he can't play special teams I how many running backs are you going to have on your active game day roster that can't play special teams now he's going to be on the practice squad again this year the Bills get an exemption for him as part of that program for the practice squad so he'll be there again and then maybe after two years in an NFL program he might have enough of those other ancillary skills to really break into the NFL the only players that have made it from the International Pathway Program to actual NFL rosters are defensive linemen who are coming in and they aren't necessarily asked to run back kicks on special teams or even be on those blocking parts, but they can still put in work on, say, the punt return unit or the kickoff, uh, or sorry, the field goal units. So you can still have like small skills on special teams to be able to contribute on Sunday to actually be able to get your jersey and play in the game. So I think asking Christian Wade to do that when he's never played football until a year and what, two months ago is asking a whole lot of a guy that's super talented. Um, but I don't know if he's got what it takes between the ears to play an NFL game and take it away, take away a spot from somebody else, like say a Taiwan Jones. He would have to make it over a guy that's been in the NFL for 12 years and been playing football for 20 years. So I just think that that's a pretty hefty task. 
And that's not to say that Christian Wade is dumb or doesn't understand football concepts or anything like that. But when you're talking about comparing a guy that's done it for two years versus 20 years, you can see how different and how wide of a gap he has to overcome in order to be able to play in the NFL. I like the International Pathway Program, but people have been putting unrealistic expectations on Christian Wade since he joined the Bills. Well, maybe not since he joined the Bills, but certainly since he rattled off a long touchdown run on his first carry as an NFL running back in the preseason last year, and uh, and then took another one almost to the house last year during the preseason as well. So there's a lot of expectations being placed on him this year, but you know, if the Bills thought that he was going to come in and be a contributor, they wouldn't have spent a third-round pick on Zach Moss uh, to pair with Devin Singletary this year, and they wouldn't have gone out and signed a special teams player in Taiwan Jones, and um, they still have T.J. Yeldon. So it's a pretty steep hill for Wade to climb to make the roster. Thanks for your question, Corey, over on our voicemail line at 716-508-0405. Before our last question today, I wanted to highlight a few series we're running during the offseason here at Buffalo Rumblings. Uh, this week, or last week, we started the uh, Best Bang for the Dollar Bills rundown of the top 14 salary cap contributors on the Bills last year. So it takes the guys who had the lowest salary cap for the most amount of production, and we count those down. Um, I'm running that series. Uh, Jeff Kontrowski, who you might know as Scarecrow on the site, uh, is running a series on plays that defined each of the games that the Bills played last year. So he's got four or five different options for each game, and then we pick those plays, and then we run it down all the way until we pick the one defining play from the 2019 Buffalo Bills season. So those are two series starting at Buffalo Rumblings already. And then starting next week at the 1st of June, we're going to be putting together the Buffalo Rumblings, Buffalo Bills all-decade team for the 2019 Teens. So from the year 2000 to the year 2019, we'll pick a quarterback or running back, wide receiver, all the positions all the way down through the roster, including some coaches. Um, Dan Lavoie's running that, but you, the fans, are going to be able to vote on the players of the decade for the Buffalo Bills. So that series starts at the beginning of June. So we've got three big-time series. Of course, we also have the 91 scouting reports in 91 days over at Buffalo Rumblings as well. Every single day for the next three months, we'll be breaking down a different player on the Buffalo Bills roster, and Sean Murphy's running that. So four series going on at buffalorumblings.com in the next couple weeks that are just going to absolutely destroy this offseason. There is no offseason for us at buffalorumblings.com, so make sure you go check that stuff out. Ron from New Mexico over at Rumblings Q&A on Twitter asks us, uh, fourth and 15 replacing onside kick proposal. I see it as turning a less than 10% success rate to a more than 50% success rate due to all but two defensive penalties also being automatic first downs. Uh, fourth and 15 with no automatic first down is a better plan. Either way, do you see the refs screwing teams late in games? Well, that kind of took a left turn there at the end. Um, I do think that putting more of those things in the hands of referees is not a good look for the NFL. It just leads to criticism later, uh, which is one of the reasons why I think they're not really going to get away, get rid of the onside kick, uh, because it's you know typically pretty clear who recovers an onside kick, and or at least it's more clear than you know the judgment call on I don't know an illegal hands to the face or defensive holding or even pass interference as you were referencing in your 
question. I think putting it in the hands of refs is the last thing that the NFL wants to do, um, especially after you watch the Bills lose to the Houston Texans with several questionable calls, really on both sides of that game. So I, I'm interested in your little addition there of how you can't automatically get a first down. Um, maybe it's you know automatic retry instead of an automatic first down. If you get all of, like the defensive holding instead of an automatic first down, you get the automatic retry on the fourth and 15 one play to try and get the ball for your offense. So uh, that could be an, a really interesting little wrinkle that I hadn't heard yet. So thanks for bringing that to our attention, Ron. Um, I, I don't know if I'm a fan of the fourth and 15 onside, quote unquote, onside kick thing. And I don't necessarily know if it'll be a 50% rate of conversion. If it was, more offenses and more head coaches would take the chance on fourth and long. Even with all the defensive penalties that are out there, you don't see a whole lot of fourth and 15s being converted based on penalties and based on referees' decisions. So I don't know if your numbers are going to quite bear out to 50%, as you suggested in your question, as opposed to the less than 10% chance for an onside kick. But I do understand your point about automatic first downs on penalties. Thanks for your question over at Rumblings Q&A, Ron. You can all find us there on Twitter with the word and spelled out in the middle. This show doesn't work without your questions, so get your questions in for next week's episode. You can leave a voicemail anytime at 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at rumlinksq and a that's with the word and spelled out in the middle. You can leave comments in the comments section of our show notes articles over at buffalorumlinks.com. Email us, buffalorumlinks at sbnation.com. You can send us Facebook messages, Instagram messages. There are just so many ways that you can ask your questions and be a part of our show. Uh, we always look forward to hearing from you, and especially as we get into the slower parts of the offseason, there will be lots of new things to talk about. Go Bills!